Last time on Abounding Grace. The law itself, we've learned, is holy, just, and good. But what it couldn't do, God did. You could put that the banner over your entire life. What you're unable to do, God did. What you're unable to overcome, God overcame. What you're unable to face, God empowers you to face. What you, what you are unable to do, God does. And the more and more we realize our inability, the more and more we will rely upon the power of God. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set We've all experienced it in life, trying to do something we're unable to do. Maybe it was trying to lift some weights that were far too heavy, or a home project you aren't equipped to handle. Well, today on Abounding Grace, we'll discover we can't possibly earn or deserve God's grace in heaven. We also can't grow and be the person God wants us to be in our own strength. But what we can't do, God does for us. So if you're exhausted and frustrated today, trying to live up to a standard you really can't, join us as we show you where freedom is found. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor in Hebrews chapter 8 and Genesis chapter 6. Turn over to Genesis chapter 6, the grace of God. You see, what God did for us, we can't do. And yet we keep trying to do what we can't do, which is yet another layer of frustration and exhaustion. Because you see other people around you and go, well, if they can overcome it, I should be able to overcome it. And so you jump in with your own energy, your own efforts, your own wisdom, and now you're going to fix what's broken. But you're actually the problem. You're broken. And so you have a broken person trying to fix a broken person, trying to fix a broken situation, and all it does is it just keeps breaking you, breaking you, breaking you, till the, you go, well, Ed, what's the end? What's it gonna, when is it going to end? When you finally surrender. Because the life that is not surrendered to God faces one broken situation after another. Notice that the grace of God is a theme throughout the scriptures. It's not just introduced to us in the new covenant. I want you to notice in verse 8 of Genesis chapter 6 here, because it's so encouraging, and I want you to say this with me when I get there. It says, but Noah found, what does your Bible say? Grace. Grace. What did Noah find? He found grace. This is way back before any of the Mosaic covenant. This is before the law. You see, God's, his nature is gracious. Grace is not some doctrine that you have to figure out and spend weeks after weeks after weeks studying. So grace is not what man has made it. As if you've got to sit through and you've got to learn it this way and you've got to learn it only this way. And then once you learn grace this way, then you'll be free. God never intended grace to be a doctrine to be learned. God intended grace to be a doctrine to be enjoyed. And it's very simple. Grace is very simple. You deserve nothing. And yet God has given you everything. You deserve nothing. And that's another place of frustration, isn't it? We get mad at God thinking we deserve. Don't, don't talk to God about what you deserve. Please don't do that. Because the Bible is very clear that we deserve an eternal separation from God. 
even if it was just one mistake in our lives, even if it was just one sin. That sin nailed Jesus to the cross. It's not what we deserve. It's what God desires to lavishly love, you know, pour out his love lavishly on us, overflowing. I was thinking about that. You know, it's really the difference between enjoying a little piece of candy, a little chocolate, a little, you know, you could get a, they, they make these mini sizes. That should be illegal. That's not even enough. That's not even enough. like, there's more paper than chocolate. But I get it. You know, you get the mini sizes. So I eat about 20 of them because they're mini. They don't, they're so small, they don't matter. But then you could get the mini size and then you could get the, you know, the larger bar, you know, and then you could get, they make these big bars, the huge ones, a couple pounds. But then if you really like chocolate, you can get one of those, what do they call them? You know, um, fountains of chocolate where you can just go up and just eat it straight up. We've had fountains here at various events. And if you're doing chocolate, that's the way to go. Get a fountain. And you know, a lot of people treat the grace of God like that. Sometimes they just look at the grace of God like a little piece of candy, just a little mini size. And it's good and it lasts a little while, but then it's over and I'm back to my own efforts, my own energies. And then maybe someone goes to a larger piece and portion of grace and you're enjoying that. And then someone then goes, well, I saw, you know, I was shopping the other day and there was a two pounder. I got that one. That should last me about a week. Great. But you know, some people have tapped into the grace of God and it's like a fountain. Remember, Jesus put it a different way. He didn't use chocolate as an illustration. He used water. And he said, if you come to me, out of the abundance of your heart will flow rivers of living water from the inside. You see, this concept of grace is throughout the scriptures because God is a gracious God. From the very creative act that we read of in Genesis chapter 1, it's a demonstration of the grace of God because God didn't have to do that. He is completely satisfied in and of himself, our God. He needs and wants nothing from us in order to exist. Everything that we have in order to relate to him is gracious. He invites us into his life and imparts life to us. And so Noah, by the time Noah comes and by the time we open up chapter 6, the rebellion of man is bringing about the judgment of God. And yet Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He found grace. He didn't find judgment. He didn't find condemnation. He found grace because he too was a sinner and he too failed and he too deserved wrath and the outpouring of this rain and storm and flood that's about to come. But we read that he found grace. And notice in verse 13, he was instructed. And that's what grace brings. Grace brings instructions. So once he found grace, it says, Noah was told in verse 13, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I'll destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark, or a large ship. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and outside with pitch. Circle that word pitch. Right next to it, the Hebrew word kafar. K-A-P-H-A-R. Kafar. It's the same word that's used in the Old Testament to describe atonement. It, it speaks of covering. So this ark is to be covered, which makes the ark a beautiful picture of salvation. It makes the ark a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. And it's a very simple picture. Even the kiddos can understand it when we teach it downstairs. Even your kids understand this. 
Everyone inside the ark was saved, and everyone outside of the ark was judged. Right? The way to be saved was get in the ark. That's the only way to be saved. Get in the ark. God didn't even let Noah, the, the salvation of Noah didn't even depend upon whether he could close the door or not. God closed the door. God sealed them in. And so when you say Noah was in the ark, that's the same as saying you and I are in Christ. That's the only place to get saved. The only place to receive the forgiveness of your sins is to be in Christ. The only place to experience the grace of God is to be in Christ. The only place to experience victory over the besetting, exhausting sins of Romans 7, because I have to say this, a lot of people choose to live in Romans 7 and never leave. This is their identity. Well, yeah, that's my life. I'm always struggling. I'm always battling. Uh, The things I want to do, I don't want to do. I know. And, And the things I don't want to do, those things I do. I know. And they're just in this constant, exhausting cycle of Romans chapter 7. And they never want to leave. They just stay, oh, wretched man that I am. And they've resolved. Perhaps that's you. You've resolved to live in Romans 7. The, the, the flesh lands, if you will, of Romans 7. It's like Noah here. Noah, when he was instructed to build the ark, it's notable what didn't happen. It's notable what God didn't tell Noah. You know, I'm glad that God didn't tell Noah, build the ark, cover it with pitch. The storm is coming. I'm going to judge the world. And here's how you're going to get through. This is how you'll make it, Noah, because you found grace. You found grace, so I've given you the way. This is what I want you to do. After you're finished building the ark, make sure that you put eight pegs on the outside of the ark. You can put four on this side and four on that side. And then at the first hint and drop of rain, and as the waters begin to, to, to fill up and the, to begin to rise, this is how you're going to be saved, Noah. This is it. You ready? Hold on for dear life. I don't read that in the Bible, do you? But isn't that a silly picture? I'm glad he didn't say that. He could have. He could have said, just hold on. You're going to make it. Hold on. And you know, Noah, if he was told to do that, you know what he would have done? He would have built eight pigs. And he would have held on for dear life. But how long would he have lasted? I mean, how long would you last? I'm sure we would, I'm sure we would say, well, if that's the way to do it, then I'll do it. And I'll hold on. I'll hold on. And so there you are holding on for about an hour. And then the water's coming and the water, you know, it's just, you're all tossed to and fro and you're, whoa. And then, you know, then, then you can't do two hands anymore. Then you do one hand. Then that one gets tired. Then you do another hand. And then you figure out how to, you've got it all figured out and you last about five hours. Well, the rains came for what? 40 days and 40 nights. It was an impossibility. You couldn't hold on. It's impossible. That's not what God said. God didn't say build pegs and hold on. God said, get in and rise above the storm. Because that's what the ark did. The ark took them above the judgment of God. You could say that Noah and his family found grace in the eyes of God. They floated along the waters of judgment by grace. Did they deserve it? No. Did they earn it in some way? No. God, the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It's You parents, you understand this. You grandparents, you totally understand this. Of course, I've raised my children into adulthood now, but when they were little... 
we were crossing the street or maybe walking in the parking lot here or uh, wherever we'd be in a dangerous, in, in a dangerous place, if, if I surveyed the place very quickly and I recognized there was no danger, I would just have them grab my pinky, grab my hand, and they'd usually grab my pinky and we'd walk across. And they'd have that sense that they're holding on to daddy and, and that they're going to make it to the other side and we're going to get through. And most of the time, that's how we would hold hands. We'd be in the mall, perhaps. They'd just hold my pinky, and they'd be there, you know, and then, you know, they'd be way behind, and I'd just have to pull them along, and, and they would hold on. But I'll tell you what, what they didn't understand, and what they probably didn't even care about, really, is that at the first hand of danger, I became a ninja. And my hand flipped around so fast to grab them because I wasn't going to allow them to be in a place of danger. Now, they didn't think about this. We didn't sit down and explain. I didn't explain that every time we walked across the street. I didn't sit down and explain to them, look, you're going to make it okay. Yeah, but daddy, daddy, I just can barely hold on. Just don't worry about it. I got you. Just hold on. But what they didn't understand, and I don't know what age they did understand, is that as long as they were with me, they were safe. It wasn't going to be depending on them holding on to my pinky that I could flip around in a heartbeat, grab them, carry them, whatever I needed to do, get them out of the way. Because here's the thing. For those of you that like to live in Romans 7, often the language of your mouth and the language of your head is simply this. And you've heard this. Again, this is a common phrase. When you ask a brother, how you doing? What do they say? Hanging in there. And they really mean it. That usually, that usually comes with it, you know, kind of a sunken shoulders and the head go down, I'm hanging in there. It's, that usually means they've had a hard, a hard week, a hard month, a hard year hanging in there. But the idea of hanging in there only makes things harder because when you're hanging in there, you don't see any way out. You don't see any way you're going to get through. It was a bad week, so if you had a bad week, then you're probably going to have another bad week. And when you're just hanging in there, when you're just holding on to the pinky, like, I don't know how I'm going to get through it. I see all the danger. The, the waters are flowing. You know, if you can get the picture of Noah just holding on. How you doing up there, Noah? Hanging on, man. Hanging on. All right, Noah, you made it five hours. Maybe you'll make it six. Yeah, but God said 40 days and 40 nights of this. I know, bro, you're toast. <laughs> you're not going to make it. It's just not going to happen. Until you learn to get inside the ark that's covered with the atonement of God. Until you and I finally surrender and say, you know what, this competition of holding on, I did five hours, you did four hours, I'm better Christian than you, you're a better, it's all nonsense. We all need to find grace in the sight of the Lord. Nobody's better than anyone else. And God's victory for you is the deliverance of Jesus Christ. You don't have to hold on. As a matter of fact, if that's you today, and I'd ask you how you're doing, and you're like, hey, Ed, I'm just hanging on. My counsel to you is let go. Let go. The greatest sense of your frustration and exhaustion will begin to dissipate as soon as you let go. But, Ed, you don't know what that means. You're right, I don't know what that means. It could be great consequence. It could be great pain. It could be greater difficulty, because that's usually why we're holding on. We're trying to minimize the pain and the sorrow and the difficulty in our lives. But all the while, we're just making it worse because we're leaning on our own strength, 
our own wisdom. We're exhausted. We're frustrated. Everyone around us is exhausted and frustrated. And you're not going to make it 40 days and 40 nights. You're not going to make it a year in your own strength. You're not going to make it a second in your own strength. It's all an illusion. If that's you today, just let go. And get in the ark and sit down. Because it's in Christ that you're going to ride this out. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. And with grace, God didn't say, I'm going to give you the sufficient, complete package in Jesus Christ. Accept that you've got to hang on to make it. No, that's Romans 7. Romans 7 is the endless cycle of trying and failing, trying and failing. And you don't even understand. How frustrating is that? The things I want to do, like I want to be. I want to do what's right. I want to obey. I want to be a better believer. I want all of that for my life, but I don't do it. And you can see list after list after list of the frustrations of living according to the flesh. Come back now as we close in Romans chapter 8. I love this. We've, I know some of this is review but it's okay, it's okay to be reminded of the glorious grace of God. You be careful of anybody that says, oh, you don't understand grace until I teach you a system. It's not a system. It's, it's not a religious system. It's not a set of studies. Grace is profoundly simple. It's God's strength and power and presence in your life. What the law couldn't do what the church couldn't do, what the pastor couldn't do, what my own efforts couldn't do, God did by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, to die on your behalf. And I now live a surrendered life. It's one of the ways when you're worshiping and you put your hands up, it's one of the, one of the ways of worship is surrender. It's surrender. And so he says in Romans chapter 8, verse 2, it says, he says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ, Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And remember, the law of sin and death is referenced here, the Mosaic covenant. And it's holy, just, and good. However, however, the law of the spirit of life in Christ is the new covenant. It's the new agreement that Jesus made. And like gravity... The oldness of the law doesn't go away. But as, remember, we, we looked at last time, the planes taking off, on the ground, they're subject to the law of gravity. But when an airplane takes off into the sky, it's subject to new laws, thermodynamics and thrust. It doesn't mean gravity's gone away. It just means there's a greater law at stake here. And so now the spirit of the law of life in Christ has made us free. It's not by working hard. It's not by following rules and regulations, not by dressing right, not by reading your Bible more, not by, not by any of the things that we might measure out in Christianity. It's simply by surrender, an abiding life, moment by moment, taking every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And right away, the flesh responds. And I know some of you are responding to me like that as we're having a conversation. It's silent, but we're having it nonetheless. Some of you respond in your mind, it's almost immediate, but I can't, Ed. I can't. I can't take every thought captive. I can't, and whatever it is, I can't get out of this rut. I can't. And as much as that might be rising up as an argument 
to a freeing Bible study like this, it's actually the right place to be. You're right. You can't. And what you can't do, God did. And your faith in Jesus Christ has given you the very resurrection power of God inside of you. That's how you've made it this far to begin with. It may not be where you want to be, and it may not be as long, you may not be far along, you may not feel as successful, you may not feel like, you've got a lot of feelings and thoughts as the condition of your life, but you have made it thus far by the grace of God. And if you've made it thus far, then God is going to take you all the way. That he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That he will perfect that which concerns me. It may not be as good as we want, and it may not be as free as we want. What you and I couldn't do, God did. And by faith, you access that very power of God, by faith. Pastor Ed Taylor is developing his study of Hebrews right now on abounding grace. Thanks for taking part in today's Bible study. To hear it again, visit our website at aboundinggraceradio.com, or you can hear us through our app. Simply search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play and download the free app today. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts. Pastor Ed, as Christians, we realize we're saved by grace, by faith alone. But we also learn today that we're to live and grow by grace every day along the way. So why do you think believers often miss out on that freedom of the surrendered, victorious life? Well, Larry, that's a great question. It's really multifaceted, isn't it? But if I had to summarize it, just kind of where I think the Lord has me today is a lack of understanding our identity in Christ. Like when you don't know and realize who you are, then you act like someone else. And when you don't acknowledge that you are free, yet you are free from sin. Imagine that right now, that you listening to me, Larry, you, me in Christ, those listening, you are free. Jesus Christ has set you free. And the question really becomes, do you believe that? Because if you believe it, then you're going to live that way. You know, I was thinking of the horrific way, the, the just inhumane way that circuses would and, and other uh, organizations would train elephants. You know, these massive, monster, strength, filled with strength animals. They would tie them as a baby to a little pole and train them to be stuck and, and not recognize how powerful they are. With just a simple tug, they could break the chain and walk away. And so that they live the rest of their life thinking they're powerless. And I believe believers live in a very similar way where you just live not according to who you are and your identity. Uh, I'll give you another silly example. I mean, I know the examples aren't one-to-one, but you know, think about it. You live at a particular address, 123 Main Street. That's where you live. And you live as if you are a resident of 123 Main Street. You know it, you believe it, and you habitually practice it. You don't go to 128 Main Street and walk into the house and open up the refrigerator and sit down with people at the table there. You don't live there. You 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 know you don't live there, so you don't Practice your life in such a way. No, you go one, two, three Main Street and and you know it, believe it, live that way. And so I want you listening to me right now. Know your identity in Christ. Email me. I'll email me. Just email me at ed at edtaylor.org 
and I'll send you some information on this. I'll send you information on the new you. I'll send you information on your identity in Christ, and you can just begin to meditate on it. Maybe this, the rest of this year just becomes uh, a focus on who I am in Christ. I'm going to live that way, set free from sin, forgiven, no guilt and shame, empowered, victorious, you name it. That's who you are. Biblically, I'll show you in the scriptures. So great question. Thank you. Look forward to your emails. Good stuff there. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. Our pick of the month is Five-Minute Apologetics for Today by Ron Rhodes. As Christians, we sometimes encounter objections about the Bible, and maybe you're left wondering how to answer them or where do you look. This wonderful book offers you 365 quick answers to key questions. I think you'll find it super helpful the next time you come across a question you're not sure how to answer, and we'll gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. And we want this radio ministry to be the sort of ministry that God uses. That's our prayer and heart's desire. And if you'd like to get behind what we're doing and offer a one-time gift or ongoing support, we'd sure appreciate it. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com or again, call 877-30-GRACE. Join us each day on Abounding Grace as we go and grow through a study in Hebrews with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.